0: What does it mean that God is holy? Find out today on Changed by Grace. Welcome to Changed by Grace. I'm Pastor Steve Herford. Isaiah 6.3 says God is holy, holy, holy. What does that mean? And how should this affect the church in the world today? Is the church proclaiming God's holiness or basking in her sinfulness? Well, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter six as we study together from God's Word. Isaiah chapter 6. We're only going to look at the first four verses today, but I do want to go ahead and read the chapter so that you would just have that in your mind as we study it together. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple, Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, While the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I sin? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking. But do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. And then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will again be subject to burning, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. The book of Isaiah is one of the most significant books in the Old Testament. Its title is taken from its author, whose name means the Lord is salvation. It's similar to the names like Joshua and Elisha and Jesus. Isaiah is quoted directly in the New Testament over 65 times, far more than any other Old Testament prophet. It's also mentioned by name over 20 times. We're told in chapter 1 and verse 1 that the book of Isaiah was written by Isaiah the son of Amoz. And His ministry extended some 60 years, from 739 to about 681 B.C. In other books of the Old Testament, we see God's power and righteousness, like in Exodus. Or we see His justice, like in the book of Judges. But here in Isaiah, the veil of history is actually pulled aside, and we see God directly in all of His glory. It's just like the veil that's removed in Job chapters 1 and 2. Here it's removed in chapter 6. Now Isaiah spoke out to Judah during those critical years of the Assyrian expansion when the northern kingdom Israel was destroyed. And after 52 years of prosperity that Israel enjoyed, now we read in the first verse that the king is dead. Judgment here is imminent. If you read the first five chapters of Isaiah, you read judgment. You also read in the first five chapters opportunities for repentance. And now in chapter 6, the scene that we see here is a scene of judgment. And we see here a vision of God on His throne. Notice verse 1 says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. This occurred around 740 B.C. Isaiah's ministry began in the last year of Uzziah's life. And just a footnote, Uzziah is also known as Azariah. Over in 2 Kings 15.7, it says, Azariah slept with his father's and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David, and Jotham his son became king in his place. Second 2 Chronicles 26.22, which is the parallel of that, says, Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos, has written. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper... And Jotham his son became king in his place. And this is how we know we're talking about the same individual because he has the same son who bears the same name, Jotham. Uzziah had ascended to the throne when he was just 16 years old. We can imagine any 16-year-old leading a country or a nation But you had it here, and he reigned for 52 years. Now, that's amazing, because in the past 52 years in the United States, we have witnessed the administrations of Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, and Reagan. And not to mention the most recent presidents, but many people in Jerusalem had lived their entire lives under the reign of King Uzziah. But we see the occasion here for why Isaiah goes into the temple. And the occasion is the death of Uzziah. And there's a question that's not even answered in verse 1. And the question is this, what caused his death? Well, two words. Uzziah's sin. Second Chronicles 26 and verse 16 attributes it to his pride. And of course, as we've seen on other occasions, pride brings down kings as well as kingdoms. If you remember Nebuchadnezzar, remember when we read in Daniel 4 that he was made like an animal until he recognized that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and he bestows it on whomever he wishes? Well, Second Chronicles 26, beginning at verse 16, records what exactly happened. So if you want to just hold your finger there in Isaiah 6 and go back further in the Old Testament to Second Chronicles 26, I want to read verses 16 through 22 here. And you will get a better understanding of what took place. It says, But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. That is your problem right there. The only people that could have anything to do with the temple and the incense and the offerings were the people that God designed to do those things. And only those people could do it. It's just like when David had the ark of the Lord transferred on a cart and they moved it along on a cart. It was supposed to have been carried by poles, but yet it was carried on a cart, and the very moment that the cart hit a hole in the road and the ark began to shake, Uzzah put out his hands to catch the ark to make sure it didn't fall off, and that sounded like a noble thing to do, right? Wrong. Because you weren't to touch the ark. And so the very moment that his hands touched that ark, God killed him. You find here, in this situation, Uzziah is acting unfaithfully. He goes into the temple, as verse 16 says, to burn incense on the altar of incense. It says in verse 17, Then Azariah the priest entered after him, and with eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men, they opposed Uzziah the king, and they said to him, It's not for you, Uzziah. To burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest, the sons of Aaron who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you have no honor from the Lord God. Eighty priests opposed him. But what did he do? It says, But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest, Look what happened. Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead, and they hurried him out of there. And he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amaz, has written. His death is attributed to the consequences of his sin. Remember, the wages of sin is death. And it's amazing that his epitaph was not about his amazing accomplishments like developing Judah into a strong commercial and military state or making a port for commerce on the Red Sea or the construction of walls and towers and fortifications or that he had done right in the sight of the Lord almost all his life. Second Chronicles 26.5 says, He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through divisions of God. As long as he had sought the Lord, God prospered him. Second Chronicles 26.8 says, The Ammonites also gave tribute to Uzziah. His fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, and at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress, and fortified them. He built towers in the wilderness and hewn many cisterns, for he had much livestock both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and the fertile fields, for he loved the soil. Second Chronicles 26.13 says, Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. And moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. That was his downfall. And in spite of all of his accomplishments, what was read on his tombstone? 2 Chronicles 26-23. He was a leper. You don't hear about all of his accomplishments until you read those other passages I just read to you. But what you read is about his sin and the consequences of it. Second Chronicles twenty six twenty three. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grade, which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper, and Jotham his son became king in his place. Amazing. A man to have reigned as long as he did to end the way it did. Tragic. But beloved, if anything we see from that, God is not mocked. God calls for complete obedience to his word. And there were consequences if you didn't obey. So, Uzziah is dead. And Isaiah comes into the temple. And he comes into the temple, and it says here he saw the Lord. What's significant about that? Well, if you have a monarch who would reigned for as long an amount of time as Uzziah did, that would produce stability for the nation. And also, all of a sudden, if that monarch is killed, now you have instability. And so Isaiah comes into the temple... And what does he see? He sees that even though the earthly monarch is no longer on the throne that he had reigned for 52 years, God is still on his throne. Because, beloved, you need to understand this, and I think you do from hearing it in Second Chronicles, God killed him. Do you understand that? He struck him with leprosy. And he lived his final days as a leper, and he died. Our death, as well as our life, is in the hands of the Almighty. All of our days are numbered. We don't know the day of our death, nor do we know the circumstances by which it will bring it about. But yet God does, and God is in control of that. So he says... He saw the Lord. Now, 1 Timothy 6.16 says that no man can see the Lord. And God even told Moses in Exodus 33.20, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. But he was allowed, according to Numbers 12.8, to see the form of the Lord. And that's why the Apostle John said in John 1.18 that no one has seen God at any time, The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Who is He talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Philip even asked Jesus in John 14.8, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus responds in John 14.9, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? See what Isaiah saw was a theophany. A theophany is a visible manifestation of God. And I'll be more specific. According to John 12 41, the one he saw seated on the throne was the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, you're stretching that text. No, I can prove that. Go with me to John 12. John chapter 12. And let's begin at verse 35. John twelve thirty-five says, So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's Isaiah 53.1, also quoted in Romans 10.16. For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes, and He hardened their heart, so that they would not see with their eyes, and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. And that is now Isaiah 6 and verse 10. Then notice this. These things Isaiah said because he saw His glory and he spoke of him. This is Jesus on the throne. Isaiah saw him in this vision. Jesus said in John twelve forty five, He who sees me sees the one who sent me. Now the Hebrew word for Lord, he says, I saw the Lord... That is the Hebrew word Adonai. Adonai means sovereign one or sovereign master. It's used also in verse 8 as well as in verse 11. Now, according to Isaiah 1 and verse 1, this was a vision. This was a vision that Isaiah had, and it was very similar to the vision that Melchiah had in 1 Kings 22.19. Milkiah said in that verse, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on His throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing by Him on His right and on His left. This is also a similar vision that we find in Revelation chapter 4. If you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. And we see this vision here of the four living Creatures. Notice what it says. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting clothed in white garments and crowns or golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God." And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second creature, like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So, the vision that Isaiah had was very similar to this. He sees these angelic creatures. But not only that, he first sees the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, sitting on his throne. And again, I tell you that that is significant in this time period. Because to have a monarch reign for 52 years would provide such stability for the country. And to have that interrupted would take that away. But in spite of all of that, God is still on His throne. And can I just offer a little practical application to this for even today? Regardless of who you like up there in Washington representing us, number one, we're to pray for them. Number two, we're to pray for their salvation. And also, number three, we're to understand God put them there. God put them there. No king, no president, no leader is in their place of authority unless God gives them that authority and puts them in that place of authority. And He chooses reasons why He does this. We find it all through the Old Testament. Many times it's to judge a nation, to give them a wicked ruler. And the people become oppressed by that wicked ruler. Scripture reveals that God's coming is often accompanied with earthquakes, smoke, fire, lightning. We read that in Revelation 4, as you saw the lightning coming from the throne. In the Old Testament, it's specifically in Exodus 19 and verse 18, prior to the giving of the Ten Commandments, We're told that Mount Sinai was all in smoke. And why was that? It says, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked violently. Can you imagine the scene? And could you imagine seeing such a marvelous sight... And what your response would have been if you'd have been there? Well, Exodus 20 and verse 18 reveals their response. It says, All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled! And they stood at a distance! I could just see it now. What do you do when you see something amazing when you see something that terrifies you, you start backing up, don't you? You know why that is? The word fear means flight. You're about to run, <laughs> and rightly so. <clears throat> Could you imagine such a sight? I just want to tell you that the church didn't have this vision today, and the world certainly doesn't have this vision of God either. Because if we did, we wouldn't do what we do. The church wouldn't be what it is in a lost world. Instead of speaking out against sin, what's it do? Embrace it. If the church had a vision of a holy God, as we see here in Isaiah 6... The church would be effective. The church would be evangelistic. The church would witness to anything on two feet. The church would be concerned about souls instead of political parties. Instead of pleasing everyone in the culture. Since when has the church ever sought to please the culture? Well, that's what it's doing now. You cannot please God and please the culture. The two are incompatible. You've been listening today to Holy is the Lord, taken from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Today's message is available on one full-length audio CD, and it's made available by calling us at 904-651-3351. If you'd like to download the free MP3, you can visit our website at www.changedbygrace.org. Well, i Pastor Steve Herford. I do want to thank you for listening today. I hope that you'll join us again next time as we study together from God's Word. Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Herford. I want to personally invite you to visit Eastport Baptist Church this morning at 11 o'clock. Eastport is biblical, expository, and reformed. I look forward to meeting you and worshiping together.